I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Good morning and welcome, or good afternoon, wherever you're coming from. Welcome to Life Today Live. My name is Jeremy Upchurch, and I am the associate executive producer of the daily broadcast Life Today program. This is my first time uh, to get to join uh, our online audience on Life Today Live. Randy has graciously asked me to step in, and I'm very excited about that, not uh, not the least of which is because we have an incredibly awesome, impactful show today. Um, my guest today is uh, got a book out that is called Under the Broom Tree. We're going to unpack what that means. It's it's uh, And in that book, she shares some really impactful stories about identity and weaves it into how we view ourselves, how God views us, with the interesting perspective of the fact that she is a pediatrician and looking at what is she seeing with our youth today, with all that they're dealing with, social media, the world, all of those things. What does the Bible tell us about identity and how God sees us? Well, let's find out. Dr. Bina Wilkins, welcome to Life Today Live. Hi, thank you for having me, Jeremy. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's start with the title of the book, Under the Broom Tree. Give us some kind of idea what that's all about and uh, where that came from. So um, when I first started writing the book, I didn't realize I was writing a book. I was journaling and it was just conversations between me and God, just sorting through some things. And um, I was sitting in church uh, years later um, and I had saved some pages for my journal and I wasn't sure why, um, but I just felt like I should hold on to them and keep them. And uh, I was sitting in my local church listening to a message about Elijah and the pastor was talking about um, him under the broom tree. And uh, I was just, uh, I realized that was the title for my book that I was kind of thinking about writing. And now then I knew why I had saved those pages and I just kind of put it all together. So in the book, I focused the most um, on Elijah's moments under the broom tree. So he had just performed this mountaintop miracle calling down fire from heaven. And he should have felt great. He should have felt confident at the top of his game. But we see him running for his life and despondent. And um, he rests under a broom tree and he asks God to let him die. Uh, and I just wondered what happened with his mind. Um, why did he go to that, that dark place? Um, and it's because he was an ordinary man just like us. And God wanted us to see both sides of this man and show us how he loved him when he was at his high moments, but even at his lowest point. And uh, when he laid there, God nurtured him and cared for him like a loving parent. And um, I was struck by that. Uh, I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. Um, so I know what it's like to be under the broom tree at the end of my strength. Um, and God's met me there every time. Um, so in the book, I share some broom tree experiences and uh, what God spoke to me um, during those moments. It's really interesting too, because as I was kind of reading through your book, I I went back and, and read through the story of Elijah. And it's, it's, such, a, it's such an interesting story because as you talk about Elijah's he's in the middle of some some truly some of the most miraculous things that God does in the Old Testament mm -hmm. he perform right. uh, uh, he's there for uh, resurrects the, the widow's son um, right. and and on top of when he's on Mount Carmel and and there is the 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 showdown between 
Baal and God. Mm-hmm. He, he's even working from such confidence that that there's not a lot of smack talking in the Bible, but there is in right. you know Elijah's like, hey, maybe your God's uh, on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to see him just literally right thereafter talking about, you know, how he's basically asking God to die, um, it, it's really impactful. And, and just looking at the humanity, I guess, of, of what Elijah's mm-hmm. dealing with, just like we do. Um, right. You talk a little bit about as well, you know, God provides some things for Elijah under the broom tree. Um, talk a little bit about that. So he has an... Um he has an angel minister him and give him food and water, bread and water, and allows him to just rest. Um, so, you know, it's uh, he's meeting his physical needs. He's not chastising him and reminding him, hey, you just did this. Why are you laying here um, acting like, you know, like your life's over? Uh, he just cares for him and he nurtures him. And God has a nurturing side that um, a lot of people, I think, aren't aware of. Um, he really, uh, in those moments when you're, um, at the end of your strength, he really, he really is like a loving, caring parent. Definitely. And speaking of parents, you know, we talked a little bit before the show, you're a pediatrician. You have mm-hmm. a couple of, 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 things that you talk about in this book that I think are, are, I resonate with as a parent. Uh, I have two teenaged children. I have a 17 year old daughter, 14 year old son. Mm-hmm. And all that they battle as a as a Gen Xer, uh, I talk right. with my wife all the time and and really talk about, you know, with social media and all of the pressures of the world, they're dealing with things that, that we never had to deal with. Adolescence is hard anyway. But you right. talk about that this generation of young people is in serious trouble. Um, talk about that a little bit. So um, young people nowadays, they have a lot of um, information at their fingertips fingertips, but not a lot of truth. So it's effortless to search for something, but what's out there, a lot of it is opinion or it's gossip or it's just um, just completely made up. So our minds were never meant to sort through and scroll through all of this information, sometimes for hours on end, day after day. Uh, and uh, it's confusing for them. And I think it overwhelms and it actually has shown to increase anxiety in kids is all this, um, the scrolling and social media and all this um, time online. Um, and God's word is the truth. And a lot of young people aren't taught to seek that out or to read it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for us, it's important for us, I think, to to know that to see ourselves as God sees us. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, with social media, um, it we're a lot of times replacing God's truth with with the world's truth. And maybe that's an, an instant gratification or maybe that's, you know, affirmation. Um, where we're maybe not getting it at home. But you also mm-hmm. had a phrase that I thought was really good, um, and I wrote it down. Young people have too much information but not enough truth. Um, right. Talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit. So, um, you know, your our primary identifier is as a child of God, and everything else is secondary to that. So when kids are scrolling through um, information, there's all these suggestions about how they ought to be uh, and I think they confuse what's important in life and they try to identify um, themselves by their gender, by how many followers they have, how much money they can make. And that becomes more of a, an important factor to, to them when it really should be, you know, you're a child of God, everything, you know, for even for me, being a woman, being Christian, I mean, being a woman, being a doctor, being Indian, everything is secondary um, to that. So um, 
I think they look for these um, these quick fixes and pleasures that are really numbing and they're not really solving anything, any of their issues, but it kind of numbs when they're scrolling through things. I think it kind of numbs some of their emotions, but it's really not resolving anything. Um, and uh, there's all this talk about um, acceptance and tolerance, but nobody wants anyone to disagree with them. Um, if you disagree with someone, you're um, intolerant or you're toxic in some way. And uh, it's hard to have um, discussions with people without them being offended to the point that they shut you out or just you know cancel you. Um, so I think it's important for um, young people to realize that their identity doesn't lie in something superficial, like what they look like or how much money they make or how many followers they have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, once again, uh, we're talking to uh, Dr. Bina Wilkins. The book is called uh, Under the Broom Tree. Uh, once again, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a great book. And uh, what I loved is you told a lot of, you know, you really unpack a lot of your own personal story. Walk us through some of your broom tree moments that really helped you get to a point where you had to rely on God and see yourself as he sees you. So um, a lot of it has to do with my upbringing. So my parents immigrated to the United States in the 1970s. So they come from this conservative Indian culture that is very misogynistic um, and male children are preferred over female children. And in fact, there's still female um, feticide and infanticide um, in India. So my parents told me when I was a child that they wish that I'd been a boy. And uh, my dad said that he got stuck with girls. It's me and my sister, just the two of us, and that his name wouldn't go on because he had daughters and not sons. So I guess I felt like I had to make up for that in some way and um, that I was a mistake. And so I, as much as I, I was very obedient as a child and I wanted my dad to be proud of me, um, there's still, there's an insecurity that, that lives there. And, um, when I was growing up, even though we went to church, I was not, I was not Christian. I, I went between agnostic and atheist. Um, and it wasn't until I went to a Bible study, uh, in college, uh, and I listened to a youth pastor really make Jesus a, a real person to me. I realized what was kind of missing for me, this missing piece. And, um, and then I, I gave my life to Christ. I was saved in that Bible study. And a lot of things changed for me after that. Awesome. And you, you talk a little bit as well, you know, um, you've, you know, you're a doctor, you've, you've had achieved great personal success, but you know, part of, I think our life as believers, we still encounter those, those broom tree moments. Um, what, it, what are you what happens? How do you help stay focused on God in those moments where you find yourself under the broom tree? So what I've learned um, through being there is um, a lot of times I'll end up uh, listening to worship music, um, praise and worship music. And I try not to, you know, listen to any any of the secular music that would kind of put me more in my feelings. Um, I try to amplify God, who he is and his greatness. And I try to remember the things that he's done for me in my life. And I just listen and I'm just, I'm just still. And I try to take away all the distractions and just, um, and hear what he has to say to me. And he's never, he's never failed to, to respond to me. Um, and I kind of go through those in detail, um, in my book in each chapter, the specific moments that I struggled with. Yeah. And I thought that was all, <clears throat> excuse me, very powerful. I think, uh, you know, it gives us those, you know, we have to, 
we walk through these valleys, we have these broom tree moments, and a lot of times we, it's only as we're past them, we can kind of see what God has done through those mm-hmm. moments, how he's, how he's worked something through in our lives. Um, you also talk about the importance of kind of surrounding yourself with a community of believers um, and how impactful that was in your journey. Talk a little bit about right. that. So um, two of the chapters in the book actually come from uh, discussions I had in a life group. So I encourage everyone to join a life group through their, through their church because it's in those small groups that you really um, you really connect with people and you have like a lot of breakthrough. So there were things that I was struggling with for years that I could not get a breakthrough on. And it was when I talked about it in that life group with um, with these these women that um, I finally was able to get the breakthrough. They prayed for me and um, my prayers changed, something changed in my prayers after they prayed for me. And I was able to, to for, you know, forgive someone who I had a lifetime of unforgiveness in my heart against. Um, and uh, I was also able to let go of some things that I, I had held on to for so long. And I hadn't even realized it really put a mirror up for me of things that I what I was holding on to that I, I had no business holding on to that I needed to let go of. I heard somebody once in a life group that I was in talk about how, yes, it's important to have somebody that's kind of running that race alongside you. Uh, it's important to have somebody in front of you that's maybe walked through some of the things you're walking through. And then it's important to have somebody um, behind you as well that then you can kind of pass on uh, what mm-hmm. you've learned. So what, what do you say to those people that are maybe battling issues of identity uh, battling issues of of kind of seeing themselves as God sees them. What are some of the kind of the truths that you that you kind of communicate to them? So um, there are some Bible verses that I kind of keep close to myself and I remind myself of. So there's there's power in God's word. When you speak um, God's word over yourself and you believe that it's the truth, there's it has it has transforming power and because it is the truth. So there's Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's one that I've had to say to myself over and over again, and I have to like repeat it and believe it. Um, there's another one that I keep around, um, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. It's where Jehoshaphat defeats Moab and Ammon. Um, and he says, you will not need to fight in this battle, position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Um, so those type of verses, they, I feel it, like activate the Holy spirit in me and, and give me strength. You also talk about, you know, Paul and, uh, Paul talks about, you know, the thorn in the flesh and you have a phrase in the book. You talk about how thorns, you know, uh, Paul talks about praying for that thorn to be remu- removed. And right. as far as we see in the Bible, it never, it never happens. Um, and you right. have a phrase in the book, you talk about our thorns, keep us humble. What do you mean by that? So um, in chapter seven, I talk about a particular thorn that I've had to deal with. And I refer to what Paul wrote in second Corinthians about the thorn that he pleaded with God to take away. And we never know exactly what his thorn was. And that's actually a good thing because we'd probably compare our thorn to his and think that his was not that important, like ours is worse. Um, But thorns are our weaknesses. They hurt us. They poke at us. But they're also the things that keep us from thinking too highly of ourselves. They keep us humbly aware of our need for God's sustaining grace in our life. They keep us leaning on him. And you even talk some about how, you know, you are a pediatrician. You've, uh, I think, 
to the world. That's a very that's a successful career. That's a lot of education that's gone in into that and and time that you've spent there. But you even kind of walk through how you've been uh, periods of time where you felt unqualified and uh, worthless. Even what are the lessons that that God has shown you through that? What are the when the, you encounter those broom tree moments? What do you take away from that? So it's it's interesting. So a lot of people will say that that's you know oh you you went to medical school you're a doctor or even a pediatrician. I actually the Indian culture people in the Indian culture are very and anyone who's who's lived through it they can be very like cutting and anything that you think is like you would accomplish they can kind of put it into a different perspective. So I've had someone actually say to me oh you're just a pediatrician like oh. you're not a cardiologist you know. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. that kind of stuff has been said to me before. So I, I mean, I do still struggle and um, I have this irritating voice that tells me that all I've ever done is just whatever was expected of me. I just, you know, met expectations. I never exceeded expectations. Um, and so Jesus has helped me develop a louder voice that reminds me not to compare myself to anyone else and that his opinion of me is what the one that matters the most. And so my story and my purpose are uniquely my own. And I just pray to God that, you know, whatever he has set for me to accomplish on this earth, that I just do it. And um, and I remind myself that, you know, we don't have to be perfect for God to love us perfectly. Absolutely. I think that's such a valuable lesson. And I think that, you know, as we go back to that idea of social media, I think a lot of people, a lot of young people especially are in this place where, um, you know, if something doesn't feel right, maybe they're battling something, then I think the world is even saying like, well, there's a quick fix for that. And mm-hmm. uh, whether it's battling what their their gender or battling different aspects of identity, we, we're seeing that happen a lot. Um, and, and so, you know, knowing that that is a, a battle, what do you tell, you know, parents that whose children are kind of dealing with those types of issues of identity and struggling with that in this culture? So um, it's hard for me in my practice to do that because they give they give you like 10 minutes to kind of talk about everything. And there's no way to to share as much as I've shared in the book in, in that amount of time. So a lot of what I've written in the book is everything I wish I could tell the kids that I see um, in, you know, to encourage them to um, to let them know that there's hope. There's hope for me. There's hope for you. I've been through a lot of um, a lot of things, even though I didn't have to deal with the social media and, and all the online stuff. Um, the human struggle is still the human struggle, trying to find out like who you are, how you fit in, and everyone struggles with you know, is my body right? Um, am I am I the right um, shape, size? However, I look um, at, uh, but just because you know you're you feel like you should look a certain way it's your feelings change they're not based on the truth so i always try to tell them that you know just because you feel this way right now don't think that this is always going to feel like this the fe- your feelings will change your emotions will change um and uh you know as technology and science advance we can make people look more masculine more feminine of a different race but it doesn't necessarily mean that we should um make them you know look some way because they feel that's how they should look at that time it's a slippery slope um, and, you know, surgeries and some of the things that um, people are promoting, they they have irreversible changes. And um, I don't want young people to live with a lifetime of regret for things that they for choices they made when they were still growing and maturing and learning who they are. 
Absolutely. And I think that the God's word kind of shows us that there are, God's going to still use us. Like you said a minute ago, God used Paul despite whatever that thorn was. God used mm-hmm. Elijah despite the fact that he was really in a, let himself get into some very, very dark places. Um, and so God will, will use us despite whatever our, our imperfections are or whatever we feel like is not, not right or not what the world sees as we struggle with identity. Um, you also talk about the, the power of forgiveness and, and you shared a little bit about that a minute ago, but how important it is to forgive people and that we're never more Christ-like than when we do forgive people that don't necessarily deserve it. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so sometimes um, I, I read recently that your greatest struggle um, from that will come your greatest testimony a lot of times. Uh, so in chapter 12, I talk about forgiveness. Um, and I think sometimes people are hesitant to forgive because they think that means they have to blindly trust the person that they're forgiving um, as if nothing happened. But just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to trust them. Trust and forgiveness are two completely separate things. Forgiveness unburdens you. It doesn't erase what they did. Um, it, but it does release that person to God's justice, which is um, God is the better judge. He's much better than us at it. Um, I personally find uh, it incredibly difficult to forgive some people um, without the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, And uh, I have to show, ask God to show me where unforgiveness is in my life. I have to ask him to help me forgive. Um, And uh, one thing I've learned to do is to stop replaying the offending effect uh, event. It's like you're refreshing the page then. It just keeps reloading. So once you stop your mind from doing that, um, it becomes more of a distant memory. And then the emotional charge associated with that memory seems to lessen. Um, so for me, a lot of times it's not instantaneous. It takes time and I have to be very intentional about it. I, I'm very much a serial memory replayer in my brain. So I, when you mentioned that in the book, I completely resonated with that. What's, do you have a strategy that, that's worked for you in terms of uh, kind of stopping that instant replay of, of moments or, or instances in your life that um, are hurtful? So I realize when I'm replaying it and I just I just stop and I say, I remind myself, I'm not replaying this again. You know, this is something that I'm trying to get over and I'm trying to forgive. And I'll I'll say a quick prayer um, asking God, please help me to not keep replaying this. And, you know, you know, I'm, and God sees where we struggle. And I think we can be very honest with him. And I say, you know, I'm struggling with this and I don't want to keep thinking about it. So I'll redirect my mind to think of something else. Sometimes I also ask God to help me see the event from a different perspective, um, because sometimes we we take it more personally than things were intended, um, and we don't know where the other person is coming from. We don't know their story, where their hurt is, um, where their anger, their actions are coming from. Um, but God does know that, and I think sometimes He sometimes He does let you kind of get that there's more to this story than what you're seeing from your limited perspective. That's so, yeah, so important. Absolutely. Once again, the book is called Under the Broom Tree, available wherever books are sold. Uh, definitely check it out. It is, uh, it's really good in terms of just Dr. Bina walks you through some very low moments, her own broom tree moments, and really uses those uh, opportunities to, to minister and help you see yourself the way that God sees you. Dr. Bina, uh, is there any last thing that you want to communicate to our viewers um, before we uh, wrap up today? Sure. So um, 
I hope that from reading the book that people know what it means to be a child of God, how important it is for all of us to understand that fundamental truth and that identifier. And I want to take some of the stigma off of mental health issues, especially in the Indian culture, which I grew up in. And I hope um, in reading the book that people will open up their Bibles. They'll be curious about Elijah. Um, they'll be able to relate to him as the ordinary man that he was, even though he was also the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Um, and uh, realize that there's other examples of people in the Bible who struggled with the things that we struggle with. Um, like Gideon was very insecure, needed a lot of reassurance. David um, was in this huge position of power and made big mistakes. Um, but he was God. Uh, he was called a man after God's own heart. So these are these are people that we um, we can relate to. Um, and um, when they open up their Bible, I hope that they will um, learn God's truth and sense His love and His presence and His nearness. Um, he's not, you know, hovering at thirty thousand feet, kind of looking down on us and constantly judging us. Um, and I hope that ultimately this lets them get to know Jesus um, in a personal relationship. Uh, the Bible, the story of the Bible from beginning to end, if you're really reading it, it's the story of Jesus and God's love for us. It's, it's his redemption of us. Absolutely. And even through those broom tree moments, like as you describe them, as, as Elijah uh, experienced, God's doing something. God's working. And uh, ultimately, how have those, you talk about a number of broom tree moments in your own, in your own life. Big picture, how have those moments shaped you? Um, they've, they've really built my trust in God. I think it's through those moments that your faith is tested and your trust in him is built up. Um, and, uh, and it's like that hindsight is twenty twenty. when you see what he's brought you through, when the next, next thing comes, cause life keeps happening. Um, you have to recall those moments to know that he's brought me through this, something bad before he can do it again. And it's just that, that trust and that hope is always there. And we, we learn to find joy um, even in these really down moments um, and these troubles sometimes. And I think that's part of what sets us apart as Christians is that the joy and the hope that we can find even when, when life strikes us down. Absolutely. Even when we're in those moments, we know that God's there and, and it's, it's always a good reminder to look back at the past, see where we've come through, see where he sustained us in those moments, just like he sustained Elijah with the bread and the water under the broom tree. Dr. Bina, this has been uh, just a fantastic discussion. Thank you so much uh, for your time today, and we really appreciate you sharing with us. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And uh, once again, the book is called Under the Broom Tree. It is available wherever books are sold, so check it out. Um, it would make a great gift for someone in your own life that's dealing with these uh, issues of identity. This is our last Life Today Live for this year. For the next couple of weeks, we will be sharing the most popular programming from 2023. So if you missed it, or if there's something you'd like to see again, it'll be shared over those next couple of weeks. Otherwise, we will be back in 2024 with brand new uh, interviews here on Life Today Live. Biggest thing I wanted you to take away is just to remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made God loves you, and he has a plan for your life, even in those moments where you're just like Elijah under the broom tree. God is there. God loves you, and he has got um, big things for you. So have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas season. Uh, have a great rest of your day, and thank you for joining us on Life Today Live. Thank you. Thank you.